This week on the Recruitment Flex, Indeed's happiness score. Does it really help? Is it time to change your EVP? 32-hour work weeks. Is that a good idea? And Canada is leading the way in attracting tech talent. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge Boudreaux. And as always, joined by Shelly Billinghurst. Serge, I sure missed you last week. I know. It's been a Man, while, right? Really well, was. I listened to the episode and loved you and Kim, as always. Uh, mm-hmm. You guys did an amazing job. Thanks. Good work. Yeah. Keep up the mediocre work there, Shelly. Well, <laughs> so, you know, it did seem just a little odd. Like there was a dynamic missing for sure. You know, Kim and I had a great time and the episode did turn out really well. But yeah, there's just something about having, I don't know, your charm and charisma. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> you just nailed it, Shelly. <laughs> and you know what? We've done, oh, I can't even count the episode. I think it's like 145. Are we at 145? Okay. Something like that. Like I didn't know if we hit 150 yet. Yeah, we're very close. So we have spent probably 142 of those episodes together. And after my wife, you're probably the person I talked to the most. So a week that I go without Shelly was a little odd, but again, the show must go on, right? So fill us in on what you were doing. Why couldn't you join last week? Well, last week, the company I work with, we had everyone come into to the head office and we did a ton of things on the sales side, but mm-hmm. it was more kind of just to get everyone together because we've merged like three, four different companies into one. So just getting to know each other, which was great to get to know the people that I work with, that I talk on Zoom on a daily basis, but also to see them outside of work. And I'll tell you, Shelly, I party <laughs> hard. I didn't know I could party that hard and I feel like really? shit this week, but Man, I, it was like I was in bed at three o'clock and I'm usually in bed like nine, 10. Yeah. You know, like yeah. The latest. So being in bed at three o'clock, which is not that different because there's a three hour time difference, but you're going to right. bed at three and waking up at seven, three, four days in a row. Yeah. I, I definitely oh felt my God. It, uh, this weekend. I was pretty tired and feeling it this week a little bit as well. But I, I was saying like, I danced, Shelly. Did you know that? I went up and danced. <laughs> I can't move. I can't. Oh my God. When you talk about it, it feels like I can't remember the last time I went out. There's something about that, right? There's something like live music. I felt I was alive. And that sounds really cool. Oh, no. Listen, you know, I think for me, it wouldn't be so much about dancing in nightclubs, but to be out at a live music event, that to me would just be like. Yeah. The plan was not a nightclub. It just ended up there, right? Like multiple okay. bars, a lot of shots. You should have seen the penthouse we were staying in. It was magnificent. Like like in, it, in Moncton, New Brunswick, it's a penthouse in a castle, in a castle from like the 1800s, or maybe I'm exaggerating, on. but they bought it and made it all Airbnbs. And the penthouse was obviously the creme deluxe and all the other condos are, are wow. really nice as well but this one was pretty impressive so it was a little bit of party central so if you're gonna get to know people you gotta let loose a little bit and show them my dance move you know <laughs> i bet it was just i hope somebody got video 
Uh, we'll wait for that to show up on TikTok. I, I have pictures. They're gonna meme you. I, I hope there's no videos because <laughs> I think I'm a good dancer, but it's probably the opposite. It depends how many shots you've had. I had a lot. Yeah, have, have, a, have a bunch of shots, then you really everybody thinks they're a great dancer. Yeah, exactly. Who cares? Anyways, who am I trying to impress? I just want to have a good just time. Have fun. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Good for What's you. What's new with you, Shelly? What's well, going speaking on? Of fun. Speaking of fun. So in Alberta, the legal drinking age is 18. And I don't know if you remember turning 18 or when you were legal to drink, what your first few years, whether it was like all out whole hog, let's see how much my liver can take. <laughs> Anyways, all that to say, Brooklyn is turning 18 on Saturday. Yes. And the last two years have been such a letdown. Oh my God. Her 16th birthday was in lockdown. 17th birthday in lockdown. Crazy. Yeah. So now this year we're going to a restaurant. She's invited like 12 of her friends and we're going to have dinner. But one of the things that I've always known that I would give her for her 18th birthday I went to Burke's last Saturday and bought her a strand of pearls for her 18th. And I can't wait to give it to her. Ooh. Does she listen to the podcast? This is coming out Friday. Is she going to know her gift before her birthday? <laughs> no, she won't. She doesn't listen to the podcast. Really? Sorry, Sorry oh. to disappoint you, Serge. Are you telling me an 18 year old is not listening to her podcast? I'm sure. Well, I have to say we've got some influence on her. Because she's in uh, bio 30, which is grade 12 biology. And so they're studying the human reproductive system. Oh, great. And so she has a assignment, finding a way to describe the functions of the male and female reproductive system. So you know what she decided to do? She decided to write a resume of the male reproductive system and a resume of the female reproductive system, and they're both applying for the job of making a human baby. Yeah, I guess you need to hire two, right? <laughs> I was in New Brunswick when I turned 19, which was the legal drinking age there. Yeah. And I went to a bar. I still remember it's the rock and rodeo, but I didn't go to the bar very much after I, I had a girlfriend. So what's the point? But then when I broke up with my girlfriend in my early twenties, I I was like Tuesday to Sunday nonstop. I would take Mondays off for a couple of years. So we'll see if she goes in that phase. Does she still have a boyfriend or what's, what's the deal there? They're friends. Oh, he's in a friend zone. (laughs) Yeah. He'll never get out of that. And he's going to try for a long time. Poor guy. We'll see. Yeah. So what do we got on tap for our topics this week? What are we going to talk about here, Serge? Well, I want you to talk about the work happiness score. Okay. So if anybody hasn't already noticed, there are some companies on their Indeed company page that have what is called a work happiness score. Okay. And it's a little more in-depth than, you know, what we're used to is the reviews, right? How hard is it to interview or what have you? The work happiness score, though, is a survey that is sent to job seekers who have worked for an employer to respond to a simple question. I feel happy most of the time at work. And the respondents give a five-point scale. One is strongly disagree and five is strongly agree. It's going to be found when 
an employee leaves the company review on the company page. And it's represented on the average of responses and represented on a 100-point scale. It gives these simple emojis. Like, is it a smiley emoji? Is it like neutral or, or negative? There has to be at least 10 respondents for it to show anything. So I believe it's a really great move because as a job seeker, I think that's what they really want to know. It's far too complex once you start folding in pay or benefits and and all of those other things. This is just really simple and clean. Are you happy at work most of the time? So this shows up on Indeed's company page, right? It doesn't show up in the job feed in any way as far as Indeed's. Okay. So I still don't get the point because Indeed's got to have a, a broader strategy of eventually monetizing this because I just find these types of things can be really sketchy in a way that companies can, similar how Glassdoor rep will call you and be like, hey, we can work with you to get better Glassdoor ratings and hide the bad ones. Is this going to be a very similar thing? I don't see that, Serge. I would like to back up a little bit because I don't believe that there is a way that you can fix a bad reputation. No. By simply saying, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pay employees, you know, $200 bonus to give us a positive review. No, I don't think that happens, right? If you've got a shitty culture, you've got a shitty culture. Maybe I'm being Pollyanna about this, but I really believe that Indeed does this purely for the job seeker benefit. There is monetization of Indeed. Of course, that's how we both have made a living. But I do believe that this focus on what do job seekers really want to know? To keep calling it culture or all these different HR terms, but to the job seeker, there's really very few things they want to know. What's the job? What's the pay? When can I start? And what's it like there? Yeah. Right? Like, it's just so simple. Well, I think that's actually maybe a bad thing with... Glass door, you have to sign up. There's all these steps you have to go through to put a positive mm-hmm. review. And I'll tell you, there's plenty of companies that encourage their employees to go put in a positive review. Obviously, you have to be very careful because we've seen situations where a hundred bad reviews saying the company is forcing us to put these reviews on. But in this case, it's and maybe I'm misunderstanding. I don't spend a lot of time in Indeed, but how easy is it for someone to go in and just put like a five? Yeah, I have a company of 500, be like, guys, just go in, click once, and it's going to boost our rating. That's the thing with Glassdoor and the Indeed reviews. They make it a little bit harder. Well, the work happiness score is only by somebody who has worked at the company. But Indeed put in the, you have to sign up, right? Yeah, okay. You're applying True. for jobs. Now it knows, and the Indeed analytics shows like where candidates are coming from, your most recently listed job in their analytics. But it doesn't stop what I said as far as 50 people go in and put a five and suddenly the happiness score is is great. If I'm a client, I'm like, why do we need this? And I know it's for the job seeker and I completely respect and understand. And I got to say, Indeed has done some great things to make the world of the job seeker better. They've failed on many things, but they've done some really good work as well. I get what they're trying to do. But I'm also trying to look at the flip side. They're going to try to screw well, with it in some ways. And no, Serge, I think at the end of the day, when it comes to your employer brand, either you fucking own it yeah, or you just let it happen to you. Like you just lay back and let it happen. So if you want to own it, these are the things you need to understand. 
if people are leaving reviews on your restaurant and you're like, oh, you know what? Sour grapes. How long do you think you're going to stay in business? Seriously. Yeah. this, This is about, you need to understand as an employer that these are being left and your happiness score is either you drive it or it'll drive it for you. Yeah, that's always been the case. And in the world of the internet, there's always going to be anonymous type of reviews. There's always going to be this systems in place that is it accurate? Can you change it? Yeah. I guess we'll see. I'm a little bit skeptical, to be honest. I'm like, oh, is there really value for the job seeker? Because companies are trying to screw around with it. Is there value for the company? Potentially, if they have a really good rating, it's going to help them. So that's the plus side. But I think this segues directly into our next topic because- Mm -hmm. I've been having a lot of people asking me as far as changing their employee value proposition. Mm-hmm. And we both know that this is a very big topic because yeah. companies think, oh, we can just change some words and it's all brand new, right? But that's not how it works. So I'm going to ask you the question, Shelly. When mm-hmm. is a good time to refresh your EVP? So let's just back up just a bit. And when we say the employment value proposition simply means you're in tune with not only your existing workforce, but also when you're trying to attract that you're in tune with what is important to them. Yeah. And so if you're not taking a good, hard look at the whole picture, it's not just benefits. It's not just pay rate. It is all those things. The best example is if you're still of the belief that everybody wants to be back at work in person. So if your employment value proposition is all built around the camaraderie of, you know, there's a daycare on site and we've got a cafeteria, but 50% of your employees are saying, I don't want to come back in person. How does that support what is of value to your employees, it no longer supports what's important to them. So now is the time to start revamping and refreshing. What is it that you offer? What differentiates you from other employers? Yes. What worked before, it isn't working anymore. And if usually when they're realizing it is when nobody applies to your jobs and then they're like, oh, something's wrong with recruitment. Recruitment's all fucked up. But it's not recruitment. It's the fact that you're not paying attention to what is valuable to people. Yeah, I I think like your EVP is just a part of the solution. It's it's not the full puzzle. We're seeing a lot of organizations, especially people even in marketing or HR say, well, we need to tweak this and it's going to fix everything. In reality, we know it doesn't fix anything, especially in this current environment where job seekers are telling us, I want a real authentic message. I want to know what it's really like to work there. And part of doing that is creating an employee value proposition that makes sense, that will actually attract people. But are you going to change something that hasn't changed? Because if you're going Mm -hmm. to the market with exactly the same offer that you had two years ago, why are you changing anything? You're just putting prettier words because someone in marketing or someone in HR thinks like we need to put more flowers around there. I think your EVP is is not the messaging. It's really the reality of what it is to work there and what it's going to be to work there and be true about it. If there's aspects of your brand and working there that sucks, you need to go and tell the job seekers, this is what sucks about us. This is what we're doing to change because We're hearing too many people 
quitting their jobs during the great resignation. Mm-hmm. And you know what's happening is they're quitting again. We're seeing 45% of the people that quit last year are looking to quit again. And the reason they're looking to quit again is they're going into companies and they've been sold a bag of poop and they realize it's a bag of poop. So now I'm stuck, but there's plenty of other jobs. So I'm just going to find the next bag of poop in hopes that I find the right company. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of bag of poop out there Mm -hmm. because I'm reading a lot of career websites to see what the organizations are. And man, it looks like it's been written by KPMG on everyone. There's no heart. There's no soul. There's no real reason anyone should work there. The remote's an interesting one. I think you Hmm. nailed it there, Shelly, because I met with a senior executive at a company and he was telling me, he's like, we're better together. And we've heard that before, Shelly. Remember, we've heard right. it in other it's, it's a throwback to the biggest trend in 2019 for wedding themes. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, we heard it with a client when we're talking yeah. about being a remote and there's like, no, no, the executive thinks we're better together. Talk to the team, to your point. And they're like, hell no, I am not going back. If they think I'm going back, they're going to see my resignation. I I think the biggest thing here, if you're going to change anything, make sure it's not just messaging. It's actually the reality of working there and the key benefits that you're trying to attract people. Do you know what I heard you say is the number one reason this never gets fixed is because when executives only talk to each other, it all sounds like a great idea. But the whole idea of an employment value proposition is built on what do employees want? And I'm not talking about just sending out a survey you know, actually get off your ass and go talk to people and ask them like a human to human interaction, find out what's important to them. Yeah. And I'm not talking about major sophistication. If you've got a company of 500 people talk to one in 10, everything that was built before the pandemic, the whole world has changed. And what's important to you now? So stop hanging on to the past or trying to sell that, you know, the good old days are back. People don't want that anymore. No, no, they do not want it. What we're seeing too is a lot of companies, their fundamental values have changed. Like COVID has forced that change on them and some are seeing the light. Those should be communicating what is different. Like going back to my favorite phrase that you, you always say is show me the receipts. Mm-hmm. show me the receipts, right? Like we are a great place for diversity, equity, inclusion. Show me what you've done. Like detail it, be transparent about it. Be transparent about what yeah. no, progress. It was, just, it, was a, it was a fad. It was bandwagoning, honest to God, because otherwise there would be, there'd be clear evidence of where they've actually moved the needle on stuff. Yeah. So, but it isn't there. It's not. But if your values have changed, Shelly, you should be looking at how you're going to messaging in the market. It's very critical. And most organizations are not even looking at what the messaging is. They're just spending more money. Here you go, Indeed. Here you go, job boards. Here you go, new ATS. But they're not fixing the underlying problem. Job seekers are looking at their company and they see no compelling reasons why they should go work there. And it's the same as if you're selling a product. What are the features, advantage, benefits? And we're not thinking in that way. We're basically just putting corporate BS and hoping candidates buy it. And some get sucked into it. Some are realizing quickly, yeah, this is probably not the right environment for me. And they're leaving again. Mm -hmm. 
I want to move into the next topic because okay, this one is very Canadian focused and I thought it was really interesting. Okay, go. As you know, the tech sector is, is the most important sector when it comes to the world of work across the board, as far as looking at the innovations that need to happen, that have happened. And everyone is in an arms race for the best possible talent. I found an article that talks about Toronto, and then mm-hmm. I found one about Calgary, where we're located. Toronto is now the third biggest tech hub in North America. So you can guess what the first one is, Silicon Valley. Second one is New York City. Then it's Toronto. And why do you think that is? Well, I'm going to guess. I would say Toronto has a, a very diverse culture. I think Toronto is probably one of the most inclusive and diverse cities in Canada, in my opinion. Yeah. And I would also say that education is highly valued. Some of Canada's best schools are in Ontario. Yeah. And the Canadian dollar still continues to be um, 20% discount if they're paying Canadian wages. So I think it's wages. I think it's a very well-educated workforce. And a lot of our governmental decisions are made out of Ontario. I think there was probably tax advantages for firms to be opening up an office and employing people in Toronto. Am I close? I I think you're probably right on all of those, but I think we're missing the biggest ones. I'll I'll go into it in a minute. But first, I I do want to call it because a lot of people would say it's Austin, Miami, Boston, or even Seattle with Amazon and Microsoft. But Toronto has by far more tech workers than all of those locations, not that far from New York City. But the number one reason that they're stating here, and it was the New York Times article, is the U.S. immigration policy. We've been very active in getting that type of talent into Canada. If you follow American politics, yes, they like immigration, but they like immigration from countries that are very similar to them. They do not like immigration from countries that are different. And that's where the talent is. The talent is coming from those locations in Canada has done excellent work. Like I, I'm not a fan of Justin Trudeau, but the policies you've put in place to be able to get people to work in, in Canada and work in Toronto, because Right now, Toronto, they're also one of the fastest growing in the world as well. They're growing faster when it comes to tech workers than Silicon Valley and New York. And another city that's growing even faster than Toronto, obviously at a different scale, is the city where we're in right now in Calgary, Alberta. The tech sector is blowing up in a relative term. We're never going to compete with New York, Toronto, in those markets. They're 10 times the population. Exactly. But- The immigration is coming here to Canada, and this is giving us a huge leg up for the future. As you know, I recruited for tech talent in Canada for American companies, and they saw the obvious advantage. First of all, the talent, to your point, was a little bit cheaper, but also really good, probably way better than side-by-side comparison of what we could get in the U.S. So I think we're going to continue seeing that. I'm like, let's keep putting the foot to the pedal. I didn't realize that this whole article was based on the fact that we we never lost sight that attracting well-educated workers from around the world is going to be the key to our success. I've always thought of Toronto as very diverse, for sure. Extremely. I think it's the most diverse city in the world. I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't. And and they're very welcoming. 
to diverse communities. The downside, though, for places like Calgary or Vancouver is the fact that when they go out to the world as come live and work in Canada, they honestly believe that the world doesn't exist past Toronto. Yeah, fair enough. They, they will never mention that you could have a better quality of life living in Calgary or Vancouver. Yeah, that's the whole world revolves around Toronto. Well, and this is why policies are, are very important. And oh, I, I don't get involved in politics, but I, I was really happy to see that. I wasn't surprised. I think we're going to see Vancouver showing up in the top 10 in the very near future as well. Mm-hmm. So Shelly, let's jump into the next topic because this one we've talked a little bit a couple of months ago where there was a company in, I don't know, Burlington, Ontario that went to four day work week, but they basically just put in 40 hours in in four days. You want to talk about what the opposite of that is. Yeah. So there is legislation in the state of California right now that companies, anything past 32 hours a week is overtime. The idea is that you still are expected to produce the same results, but get it done in four days. Now, it doesn't mean you can't work on, you know, the fifth day of the week, but it's now eligible for overtime. So what a shakeup, because everything, certainly in our business world, meaning Canada and the U.S., Everything is based on the 40-hour work week. So you drop it to 32. What does that do? Employers now need to figure out, what do I really need to get done? What really needs to be done in this role? Do you really need 40 hours? Or is it just, again, it kind of goes back to your employment value proposition. All you want is things to go back to the way they were. Well, if this is not a clear sign that even legislators have caught on to the fact that you do not need to work 40 hours a week. Now, not a surprise that California would be the first to do this at all, right? Like they're soft. Yes. (laughs) They're soft. But you know what? God love them because, or like the Parisian French, they want their days off. They do not work a 40 hour work week. 32 hours is quite enough. Thank you very much. What do you I don't thoughts? know how I feel about this, Shelley, because yeah, I get it. Like we've had this workforce model for a hundred years that we work five days a week, eight hours a day, but the world has changed so dramatically. And, and mm-hmm. even in the last two years really it's accelerated on one side. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Sure. If you can get as much accomplished and we're seeing that right now with technology can be that enhancement in how productive we are. It's, it's dramatically different than it was like 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. But then the flip side, I'm like, I don't know. Cause okay. I work way more than 40 hours and I can't imagine getting everything that I need to get done in 32 hours. So is that going to cause me additional stress as a worker? Is it going to have the opposite effect where you're actually a lot more stressed because you need to pump out all that work in that amount of time? I don't know. I think it's a valid question. So California, mm-hmm. like they have the law there, but in Texas, they don't have that law. Is Texas going to destroy California when it comes to how productive they are, or how the economy is? Like, Is that going to be a factor? I believe There are several studies that say if you are happy and engaged in your work, Serge, you're an anomaly. You are an outlier. In my entire professional life, there are five people I've met that can keep up 
or even keep close to the pace that you keep. So don't use yourself as a measuring stick. And I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. Serge, you do more work than three people combined. I like smoking my ass, to be honest. Well, but listen, I'm not just saying that. I know that you have capacity like very few humans have. When you think more broadly about hourly workforce, the wages also have to stay the same. Your four days or 32 hours a week, your wages have to stay the same. And most of the data supports the fact that you can be productive in 32 hours. You don't have to be there for 40. Well, the French have proven it. Same. And there's many Spanish countries as well. Right? I, I don't know if I would put the French as the model of productive workforce. Mm. They've done it. Yes, I agree with it. But then it, it opens up a different conversation. And this, unfortunately, is a massive challenge for organizations. So as an employee, I fucking love it. Sure. Yeah. Great. As an employer, or if I was running a business, oh, it makes me nervous because I don't even know how to measure how productive my workforce is. And mm-hmm. I would say that's 90% of companies. So you won't know if it decreases or increases or stays the same. And then suddenly, boom, you're out of business because you don't know what's actually happening. But to your point, like how much time is wasted by workers, say on TikTok during their workday? I say most people don't work even close to 40 hours. I would say the average. Not a full like, productive 40. No, no, absolutely not. How many hours in a day, if you added up all the non-productive, honest to God, it's more than eight hours. It's way more. It's way more than eight hours. I think employers are going to have to figure it out. Yeah. Like you now don't have a choice. And so if you can't figure it out, you're right. You won't be in business. Well, if you can't meet your customer's needs in a certain time frame, and now you're going to lose customers, but a couple of things. So tell me, should everyone have the same Monday to Thursday or whatever, the Tuesday to Fridays, or should companies be allowed to choose what the four day work week, what does that look like to you? So, you know what? None of this is new at all. When you think about any 24 seven operation, you got to figure out a shift. So Mm. if your customers are 24 seven, or if your customers are Monday to Friday, whether it's a hospital or whether it's a eye doctor clinic or something, you need to be available for your customers. As the employer, it's your responsibility to schedule enough people to work those shifts. So if you don't want to work Wednesday to Saturday, go work somewhere else because that's the shift. That is the work we're offering you. It is four days and it's 32 hours, but I need coverage Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Okay. All right. Makes sense. Let me ask you another question. And we've seen this during the pandemic and with everyone going to remote is people working two full-time jobs mm-hmm. or one full-time, one part-time, one full-time, one gig. Like if now you're only limited to 32 hours, I know a lot of people that will take a second job and you kind of lose that focus with them. What's your take on that? Is that a bad thing? No, it is an individual's choice. If work-life balance isn't important to you at this point in your life. When I was in my twenties, I always had a part-time job on top of my full-time job, but it's just the way I'm built. It's not for everybody. 
I'm, I'm going to ask you one last point on it. We talked about the Sunday night scaries or, or whatever you call or you're dreading coming into work on a Monday. And some people worry for the whole weekend. And I've been in that position that weekends are not really weekends. I'm just like stressed about what's coming in the week. Now you have three days <laughs> to have anxiety or worry. Uh, is that even something that you think is a big deal? Or am I just thinking out loud too much here? I don't think it's a big deal. It's a change. And with any change, 50% of people, I believe, will absolutely get behind it. And the other 50% will find reasons why it won't. It doesn't matter what you're changing. However, the biggest point I'd like to stress with this is that it's the world that has changed. This is not government shoving something down your throat. The fact is the world changed. I agree with that, but Shelley, the world has changed in positive ways, but it's also changed in ways. I'll use healthcare. Mm-hmm. Like now you have a nurse working four days and we barely have enough healthcare workers to cover the shifts that we have now. And now you have say a thousand nurses in the hospital that are working mm-hmm. four days a week. What's your take on that? No, well, certainly in Canada, it's all union. Okay, Nurses is a great example. If they're working 32 hours versus 60, they will be okay in the long run because they're working so much overtime. The only way to ensure that you can bring more people into the profession is have either a collective agreement where if the employer can't seem to figure it out, that's when the workforce will organize and say, well, then we're going to tell you how it's going to be. So in nursing, especially if they don't find a way to help them balance, then they will not come into the profession. So I think this is the best preventative measure is by limiting it. And yes, short term, it may be a little painful in the long run. I think it's going to be what saves the profession. It's not often you're right, Shelley, but you made a really good point because it made me think of a stat that I saw not too long ago saying that 30% of nurses are not actively practicing because they're burnt out. This could be a way to get people back into the industry. So kudos to you. That is an excellent point. Aside from that, Shelly, yes. what yeah. else do you have going on? Well, yeah. you have a birthday party Saturday. Yeah. So by the time you listen to this and I will send the episode to Brooklyn and say, hey, do you want to know <laughs> what you're getting for your birthday? Here she won't listen. Go. I'm pretty sure. Well, hot on the heels of that is grade 12 grad. The big news is for the last two years, there's been no crossing the stage ceremonies, right? Yeah, yeah. For grad, whether it was university or grade 12 grad. So they're actually going to have an event and I'm so happy for her. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah. Everyone will have COVID after, but that's fine. Just wear a mask. Fuck. I know, I know. Like what well, is the big deal? Just wear a fucking mask. I know. Wearing a mask is actually a really good thing because I, I wasn't sick two years. And now that the mask mandate is gone, I'm sick every week. It seems. Yeah. Do you know, it's really simple. Brooklyn and I traveled three countries in Europe and didn't get uh, Omicron because we had a mask on. There Wash our go. hands, wear a mask. There's so, one thing that I want to mention as well. So what's, what's coming up? Tuesday shows will still happen, but they might not be every week. So if you do mm. not hear one on a Tuesday, we didn't miss anything. You will hear one mm. probably in the next week, but our Friday episodes, they won't go anywhere anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Can I just point something out, Serge? Yeah. We don't have like professional organizers setting up guests, right? We want to have really good quality guests that have got great stuff to share with the audience. 
And sorry if we can't hit it every week, but I'd rather wait and get a really great guest on. So be patient with us, but we want to bring quality. And as you may have all noticed, we don't have big sponsors either. This is our heart of hearts bringing this to the audience. And that's been on purpose, right? And we do want to make sure that we have the flexibility to do what we need to do and eventually what we want to do. Yeah, exactly. Sponsors change the game completely, not saying we won't. Yes, we want to make sure we've got everything lined up perfectly. And yeah, so you made another great point, Shelly. That's like twice today. One episode. I know. My God. Sorry. Shelly, sorry you missed me last week. Yes, uh, I, did miss I miss you too. And I miss Kim, but I'm so glad that you guys did an amazing job. So audience, oh, thank, thank you. you so much for listening. We will talk to you next week. Bye. The world's best known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.